We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I'm joined today by Notre Dame offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Tommy Reese. Coach Reese, thanks so much for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, I want to coach. I want to kind of dig in a little bit and start of sort of start with sort of a big picture question. You know, one of the things you've talked a lot about uh, this offseason when we've had a chance to meet with you in the past is. You know, your job as an offensive coordinator is to is to take the talent that you have and make sure that the scheme and the philosophy and everything that you do fits to that. And I, I wanted to ask you, just sort of big picture, what what does that look like when you get in the offseason? And especially in this particular offseason in which you are building around a lot of new faces in, in new places, meaning you did lose four starters in the offensive line, a three-year quarterback, two starting receivers, that kind of thing. What does that process look like for you as you go through the offseason? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think it always starts with studying yourself and then pivoting to studying others and trying to dive deeper and saying, okay, we have X, Y, and Z, and we know this team – has had that and utilizes them very well. All right, let's study what they're doing. Let's see if we can make a connection with somebody on staff. So we're not just watching, but really understanding and, and hearing from them. This is why and how they teach it so that we can better maximize, you know, our ability to then translate it to our guys. And then, you know, some of it, you know, Brian, some of it fits, some of it doesn't. Some of it says, yeah, we can, this is something that we do, or this is something very similar that we have and it's an easy transition. Some of it might be, hey, this isn't quite for us. And then some of it's, hey, this is really good stuff. It might not be what we have right now, but this is how we can implement it. Um, you know, the exciting part, and, and you bring it up, say hey, you lose so much. But when I sit here and I say, okay, these are where our strengths are. This is how we want to utilize them. How do we get more touches for Mike Mayer, right? And that's an obvious one, okay? So you look at, you know, how other people are utilizing tight ends. But then you say, okay, we also have these two guys that we got to get involved. Oh, yeah, but we also have this guy and him. And so you start going down this path of how do we further broaden our offense and build things around guys that, you know, we want to get involved. And it's not a short list. 
which is exciting for me. Um, it's also hard though, because at the end of the day, there's one football, right? And you got to find the balance and you got to find um, really the ability to, to lay that all out and make it into a plan, not just random plays that are here and there, but really a plan that fits well together. Um, and you bring up a good point, right? Like you talk about the offensive line and a lot of times when people talk about the offense and how do you get more guys involved and how do you maximize ability and how do you maximize individuals? It's a lot of time focused on the skill players, right? Okay. Well, I also have to protect the quarterback and I also have to put our offensive line in a position to be successful. So what are some ways that we can do that? How can we change the launch point? How can we add maybe some run action protections that, you know, simplify it for the line and allow us to, to get six or seven guys in protection to, to allow us to, to really shore up the front. Um, so all that stuff is constant. And then, you know, you balance that with, look, we're on vacation right now and I haven't you know seen a lot of guys in our staff for a while. So a lot of it's, Hey, we're calling or we're texting or I'm doing it on my own or they're doing things on their own. And um, then when we get back together, we're able to kind of to meld it all, all into one. Now you mentioned, uh, you know, look, you look back at your time as a player, you, you, know, you had Michael Floyd, who was kind of that alpha type of guy. Tyler Eifert was that alpha type of guy. We've seen Will Fuller be that kind of guy. You look at your receiving core now, you sort of have that in a young Michael Mayer, but as you mentioned, you have a lot of weapons. What can be some of the advantages for you as a coordinator when you're going into to pl planning your season and game planning when maybe you don't necessarily have that Michael Floyd alpha, but you do have that more depth. You have running backs that can catch the ball. You have Avery Davis. You have young outside guys. What are some of the advantages to having it maybe a little bit more of a depth of a repertoire of pass catchers as opposed to that one guy that you have to – on the perimeter more so that you have to, you know, make sure that that guy's getting uh, a, a ton of touches. Yeah. I think the, the initial and the easiest answer is just the defense isn't as clued into one person, right? Like when you had Floyd or you had chase or you had those guys that were really the guy, like they had ways to double him or help or try to take him away. Now with great players, that's much easier said than done. Um, and you can always move those guys out of their normal spot to keep defenses guessing. But I think when you look at, you know, our ability to have, you know, a group that can attack a defense, it's okay. Well, they can't really zero in on one guy yet. Right. And if they do, we have ways to complement that. Um, you know, the, the other side of that is you're able to build, um, you know, individuals in ways like, Hey, if we have a big group of guys that can all play and help us, let's really hone in on maximizing the things that they do really well, right? Let's not ask them to do every single thing because we don't have to, because the cool thing is we might have four guys that run four different types of routes at a really high level. And now we can play with that and, and allow them to be in those positions to do those things over and over instead of saying, okay, Hey, Brady, you're just going to you know, line up here and you're only going to run these three routes. No, let's, we can move them around. We can figure out what he does really well and we can maximize those things. And so, um, you know, that adds a little bit to it where you're starting to now get into a world where um, you got to be able to build the offense in a way that makes sense in a way that's easy to learn and, and comprehend. And that's something that I, I feel very strongly about and one of um, our strengths as an offensive staff, but um it's exciting. I mean, it's really exciting when you have that many guys and the hardest part is just like 
tempering your mind down because you have all these ideas and all these ways that you want to get guys involved. And that's okay. Well, you only get so many plays in a game. You only get so many plays in a practice week where you can rep them. So what really do we want to major in moving forward? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know, you mentioned something this spring that I wanted to follow up on that fits into what you just said. You know, there's two ways you can go as a coordinator. One is here, here's our system and let's fit the pieces into it. Or here's the pieces, let's figure out how we can utilize our system. But you had mentioned something in the spring that, that you know, now you went through it for a year. You were able to kind of run the offense and you kind of look back and say, okay, here's what we practiced. And then here's what we ended up calling. How do you adjust that or do you adjust that when you kind of go into year two that you're like, okay, you know, we practice volume X, but we really only carried maybe, you know, actually called only maybe 45% of that. I mean, how do you look at that and how do you, do you adjust to that? Or does it depend on, you know, what your, your guys can handle when you get into fall camp? Yeah. A lot of it's the last part, right? Like what do our guys handle? And last, last year, as the year went on with Ben, Javon and Avery, you felt like, okay, these guys can handle, the tags and they can handle the volume. And especially as the year kind of progressed and you got into that Clemson, Carolina, Boston college stretch, you know, you felt like you could put some on their table because they're all veteran guys that knew it. You know, I do feel the same way, you know, the guys that are here, you know, with the exception of the real young guys, but the, the guys that we've talked about, you know, they've been in the system now two years, they get it, they know it, they understand it. And, you know, they're able to handle it. Um, you know, for me, it's like I'm a volume person. Like I like to have options. I like to have the pen last. I like to be able to say, okay, we have this, this, and this. So if in the course of a game they try to do something, we have answers that our guys know and rep. And that could be repping on a Friday walkthrough just to be, hey, guys, we ran this two weeks ago. Here's just a quick reminder. Let's make sure that we're sharp on this because if in the third quarter they want to play this, we're going to come to it. Um, and so those things – you know, for me, it's probably less about how do we create new things versus how do we, you know, use what we've done to make sure that our volume or that our bank is built from that. Um, the other part of that, too, is like you got to be 
very strategic in where you put those things in. Like for me last year, it was mostly third down, right? It was, okay, third down, I want to make sure that I have answers because they could do one of five things. You know, it's not the NFL where a team plays two coverages and they just say we're really good at it. You know, defensive coordinators in college are doing so much now that you got to have answers. Um, so where, what other areas of the game can I, can I utilize some of that? You know, is it, is it in the low red where now I have more options so that I can make sure that I'm holding the pen last, you know, is it more, you know, check with the sideline to make sure that we're in the right call. Because when you go back and study, when we did that, we were pretty good. Um, and so there's, there's other ways to make sure that we're building that within our, within our system. Um, and that's something that, you know, I got the other coaches make sure to keep me in check there a little bit as well. When you kind of look at last year, you guys were a lot, you know, you ran some 11 personnel, but you also were in a lot of 12 and 13. I think Brock Wright's snaps weren't necessarily that far off from Avery Davis. So, you know, third tight end to third receiver. You look forward to this year, Chris Tyree's now in year two. Kyron obviously has a year under his belt. Those are two unique players in that they can catch the ball in a lot of different places. So you have all these options from a personnel standpoint. Is it challenging to kind of have that potential to go deep in two different directions? Or is that sort of for you an asset to say, hey, look, we can run, you know, this concept over here, but we can run it at a 12, we can run it at a 13, 11, 21, 20, whatever the case may be. Uh, does that, is that easier to do? Is that more challenging to do, to do those different things out of so many, now that you have so many person, just personnel options to use this year? Yeah, I think I'm going to kind of answer this in a, in a long way, but the the way we view offensive football, right? You take the line, you take the quarterback and set them aside. Okay. And then the remaining five guys, you know, you kind of view it as a basketball team. How do we get our best five on the field at the same time? And how do we allow our five best to go out there and put them in positions to be successful in different situations, right? Like our five best on the three yard line might be different than our five best on third and seven. And so how do we get our five best skill players together in different groupings and in different situations. So, you know, last year when you have, you know, the emergence of a really good young tight end and you have, you know, Tremble and you got some guys who felt like, okay, a lot of times our five best might be in 12. Okay. You know, this year, you're going to say the same thing. That's yet to be seen. Right. Um, you know, we have guys that are proven in certain spots. And so our job is to get them on the field. Um, the very fortunate thing we have here, you know, with this team and, and this program is like our guys understand football and our guys learn it and they don't learn it just in a way. We don't teach it in a way that's just, okay, I'm going to memorize exactly what I have to do here. We're very much in the world of teaching as a conceptual offense. And okay, this might be this play and this is why all the pieces fall together. And what that allows us to do is to move people into different spots and to change personnel groups so that if I call this play, whether we're an 11 or 21 pony or 12, our guys from a conceptual standpoint know it. And we can line up and run the same play out of an empty formation. And believe it or not, we can be in 13 personnel with three tight ends in the, in the framework of the play and run the same play. And they all know it because there are certain components that they know go with this play. And so when we teach it and we install it, it's much more from a conceptual standpoint than it is hey, Kyron, you're the tailback. You do only this on this play. And so our guys buy into that. They learn it. They know it. And they're able to go execute it. And so 
look, is that the way everywhere? I'm not sure because I'm not anywhere else. But I know here that our guys um, understand it that way. And if there's certain people that don't, then it's my job to make sure that say, okay, well, so-and-so doesn't get it in the, in the larger terms yet. Okay, how do I make his life easier? Can I tag something for him? Or can I just put him in one spot and he knows exactly what he's supposed to do? And that way, you know, he can get on the field early. Now, you'd mentioned kind of teaching it conceptually. Is that something that'll allow you to tie into a comment you made earlier to say, hey, look, if, if you know, Michael Mayer can play backside, he can play attached, he can play in the slot. Braden Lindsay can play in the slot outside. You know, you, you, Avery Davis can move. I mean, is that allow you to, to be more versatile from week to week where you can do more matchups. Hey, we really, you know, this guy's been outside a lot, but we really like the matchup of him inside this week. So we don't have to necessarily teach him something new. He already understands the concept or maybe a little adjustment here. Does yeah. that give you more flexibility from week to week to kind of attack maybe weaknesses and then exploit your strengths? Absolutely. I think just having that big picture knowledge allows us to say, okay, we're going to do it out of this formation this week. And this is why. And the other thing that, goes into that is like condensed formations, right? You see us in the bunches and the stacks and the short motions and all that stuff. Like that just closes the space, which says, okay, well, you really, you started outside and now you're here, but we're gonna bring you across the field because we're condensed, we're able to get you there. And so, you know, there's other ways besides just saying, hey, we're gonna play him in the slot. Like, hey, we can start him outside, motion him down, switch, release it. And now he's ending up in the same place the slot would. And so there are ways that you can end up in, in those same sets without really having to change their position. So coach, just want to just dive a little bit into some per specific, specific personnel that you have. Uh, obviously we've seen a lot of Braden Lindsay over the years. We've seen Kevin Austin, not as maybe not as much as everyone would like to have seen Kevin Austin, but we we've seen him. And Avery Davis obviously had a really nice breakout last year. I wanted to talk about some young guys. We haven't seen a ton and just kind of what you see in those players. And that is Xavier Watts. And then, your three freshmen. Now that all the three freshmen are now on campus, obviously that would be Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, and Jaden Thomas. They're coming into a unique situation. You know, you lost some starters. There's been some other departures. And so um, what have you seen from those young guys? What do they bring to the table? What skills do they have that you're hoping to be able to, to, to utilize someday, whether it be this year or, or down the road? Yeah, I think – look, I'll start where you started. Like with Xavier Watts um, – Here's a kid early in spring, you would have said, hey, he's one of the three or four guys that's kind of breaking through the wall here. And, um, you know, I think the thing with, with, with X is he's got size and he's got um, speed enough to be able to utilize that size, but he just has a natural way of getting open. Like he understands leverage, he understands space, and there's little nuances within his routes where he's able to be physical here. He's a throw by and um, he was able to do some things. Um, with any young player, I think building the confidence is, is really important. And how do we make sure that we put him in position to go make plays to help build that confidence? And he's a kid um, we're really high on. I feel like this summer has been a huge progression for him. Um, you know, he's somebody as the spring was going on, you saw him dive more and more into the playbook and more and more into, hey, I'm going to get up with Coach Alexander. And I'm going to spend some time with him. And I'm going to really buy into this thing because this is my opportunity. This is my chance to go play. And he's – look, a lot of those guys you said are smaller frame guys. And he's someone that is a little bit more similar to the build that we've had a lot of success with with some of those bigger players um, who's able to go be physical against the DB and utilize his speed and his strength and his size to go win matchups. Um, look, with the freshmen, 
the way the rules are, like, I can't see him do any ball drip skill drills. I can't see him catch yet. I can't see him do all that. Um, strictly with um, within Bayless's workouts, the first thing that jumps out about this group of three guys is their maturity level and their compete level. Like these are guys that know how to work, know how to play, or um, know how to compete. And then they also there's a maturity in which the way they approach everything. Like they're not guys that you have to tell them twice. They're not guys that you have to um, beg to do more. Like they're already at that level. Um, you know, Zoe was here in the spring and like he has a very similar mentality to Ben Skronik, which is a very high compliment in terms of like his compete level, his want to be great, his extra time. You know, I know he was living with Buckner and Buckner, like he'd be up till two in the morning studying the playbook. Like he just has that extra gear to him where like, this is what's important. And I'm going to make sure that I maximize my opportunities. You know, I think obviously from a physical standpoint, the, the trait that jumps out as a young player is he's fast, right? Like we know he can run. And so how do we continue to work on some of the finer things of playing wide out um, that he's able to go use his speed in the right way? Um, and then Jaden and Dion, I mean, you just look at them and physically they have the right frame. They have an imposing build to them. Um, they move extremely well for their size. Like the little I've been able to see them do from an agility standpoint, yes, they are larger receivers, but they show the ability to be able to sink their hips, change direction, uh, getting in and out of breaks, getting in and out of some of the drills. And so that's all extremely exciting for us is to have big guys that can drop their weight and change direction and use some of that. But like the thing that is from a coach's standpoint, that's probably the highest praise I could give them is just the mentality that they've walked in the door with is the right one. And if you have that, you usually have a pretty good chance of being successful. You know, you, you can mention these are just the four young guys, but there's even a little bit of that in the older guys. You know, Joe and Kevin have a different body type than Braden and Lawrence and Avery kind of thing. In recent seasons, you've sort of inherited a roster where a lot of your the guys were playing outside of Chris Fink were those bigger bodied guys. You have a little bit more diversity throughout your uh, your roster from not just a size, but a but a skill set standpoint. Is that kind of one of the things you talked about earlier that seems to excite you a little bit? Like maybe, you know, if you're playing a team with big corners, you have some receivers that you can throw at them athletically, or if you're playing a team that's got some smaller guys or certain matchups that you have different skill sets you can utilize each week to maybe attack teams with a little bit more versatility from a concept standpoint or maybe a game plan standpoint. Yeah, I think it's just, it's still putting guys in the right matchups, right? Like, okay, we know, Hey, they're five, nine corner plays to the right every play. So, okay, let's get our bigger guys out there. Or, you know, we feel like a safety and coverage, you know, isn't able to be quick enough to play against keys or Avery or whoever it is. And so how do we utilize that matchup? And so that definitely goes into it. The personnel side of it is definitely something that, you know, we take a look at and we try to use the right matchups in the right situations. Want to talk about Kane Madden just real quick, Coach? What was it you guys saw from him on film that said, "Hey, we got to add this guy to our competition inside"? And then, what have you guys and what have you kind of heard about the work he's putting in since he's arrived? Just that, just a, that two-way look at it. Yeah, I think. Look, we, I think I said this in the spring. Like, we're always in the business of adding competition, whether it's through recruiting or now with the transfer deal and all that. Like, same thing with Jack Cohen, the quarterback room. Like, we're always in the business of adding competition to try to bring the best out of our group. Um, I full heartedly believe that competition can bring the best out of guys and it makes 
people either come answer the bell or it, it, it puts people in the places they're supposed to be. Um, so look, when you lose a player, you know, it's our duty to make sure that we have enough guys up front to, to help us win games. And so uh, we were in the market. Kane is a guy that's proven, um, you know, maybe at a at one step lower, but is a proven player that has dominated at that level. And I think that's something that you look for when you're evaluating a level below is, okay, are they playing and winning or are they really dominating at that level? And we felt like he was dominating. Um, you know, he's another veteran with a ton of starts and a ton of plays under his belt that's going to help a young offensive line. Um, you know, I think for him getting here, it was okay. Like what Bayless's program is going to present to you is going to be a little different than what you're used to. And he's a guy that jumped right in and really didn't look back. And I think when we got to spend some time with him through the recruiting process, you knew that his mental makeup was such that he was not going to have, you know, um, any preconceived notions or any issues coming in here and competing and working his tail off. Like he had the right mentality to him. And we've seen that over the last couple of months. And so for him, it was okay. Coming in here and, and getting in, in better shape because this is a different level. It's getting even stronger. It's changing our body. Um, and all those things have, have shown through, I think, you know, from a movement standpoint, it's probably more efficient than we thought. And it's probably a little bit smoother than we thought, which is exciting. Um, you know, we feel like he's already gotten stronger, which is interesting. He's an older kid. I think he's 24 years old, you know, so he's a, he's a fifth, six year senior. That's, that's older. Um, but he's still making strides in the weight room and still making strides from a physical development standpoint. And so, look, I think with the offensive line, like there's so much football to be played still that to sit here and say, we have it perfectly sorted out. That's not the case because when we last were all together, we were missing some key pieces. You know, Jarrett wasn't there, you know, Lug towards the end wasn't there. You know, we bring Kane in. So there's still so much football to be played out that I'm really excited to see how that group um, progresses in the direction that they go. Well, look, there were a lot of schools that he could have looked at and said that would have been a much easier path to a starting lineup. For a sixth-year kid who is hoping to, you know, I would imagine continue his playing career, there were a lot easier paths to going somewhere. What does it say about him that he did walk into a depth chart that, you know, you're going against Zeke Carell, Andrew Kristoffic, you know, John Bl Quinn Carroll. I mean, these are highly former high recruits that are that have got some experience that are they're going to be battling. You know, Rocco Spindler. What does it say about Kane that he did step into the situation knowing a you from everything I've been told, you guys did not promise him uh, anything but a chance to compete. And then two, he stepped into a depth chart where there's a lot of talented kids going to be to battle against, as opposed to maybe taking a little bit of an easier path. Yeah, I think the conversation with Kane, you know, when we sat down, it was, okay, you went to Marshall as a walk-on and you ended up starting and being an All-American. Okay, the transition here isn't a whole lot different. You're coming to a level up where there is competition, but you've already done it once in your life. And so when you look at an opportunity to go compete and play, it's something that he was familiar with. and It was something that he had done and succeeded at. And you're exactly right, Brian. I mean, like his ability to say, no, I'm going to come here. I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to compete because I can believe that I can do this. Like usually those type of guys find a way. Right. And, and if you're going to take a bet on someone, it's going to be that. Look, the transfer portal, it's a different world. You're not with these guys from the time they're freshmen or juniors in high school to their senior year. You're taking flyers on guys. And so much of it is about the mentality that they have. Because we've had transfers come in who have been really good, and we've had transfers come in that haven't panned out. And the one differentiator that I keep looking back on 
is the mentality. Like I remember when Nick McLeod walked through the door in our first practice and he's talking crap to me during one-on-ones and like it fired me up that we finally had a corner that was going to talk crap. And so like he came in with that attitude that I'm here to win, I'm here to compete and I'm here to really like get after guys. And you look at, you know, Ben, who was successful here, he had that too. And so that is such a big part of, of how you evaluate these guys that usually those type of kids figure out a way to be successful. Coach, two more for me, and then we, we can wrap it up. I, I Look, as we kind of get into this offseason, there's two names of quarterback that get a lot of discussion. Jack Cohn being the transfer, led his team to the Rose Bowl, and then Tyler Buckner, the high, the high recruit. The one guy that, in my experience, is this is just from my end, that talking to fans and talking to people and that I interact with on a daily basis, the one guy that doesn't get talked about very much is Drew Pine. Um, what does Drew Pine show you? What does Drew Pine bring to the table that maybe is some of us might be overlooking him a little bit? And he seems to be a guy that you're you're quite high on. But what does Drew bring to the table? What does he? What kind of potential does he have uh, at Notre Dame running this offense? I think when you start with Drew, you can't start anywhere but the intangibles. I think his passion his love for the game, his compete level, the love that his teammates have for him is as high as any young player that I've seen at Notre Dame. I mean, it's Ian-like, but he's a lot more like vocal and like personality and just has a little more like stuff to him than, than Ian did at that age. Um, so to start with Drew, you got to start there. And that's something that matters at that position. It really does. When the guys believe in him or, or fight for him, that matters. Um, look, Drew's never going to be 6'4". He's never going to be 6'2". And he'll probably never run a 4'6 or 4'5". But you can still win and you can still be successful because he has a high IQ when it comes to football. And that doesn't just mean, hey, I know my read on this play is this. It's okay. It's second and four. It's, I'm calling a shot. Like, let's take the shot if I have it. If not, I'm checking it down. Or it's um, the subtleties in the pocket to even maybe drift a little bit because I know my shallow is coming to buy time. Like, all those things go into having a high football IQ. And, and a little bit of that is just like when a kid's played quarterback his whole life, you start to see some of those things that you notice, okay, he can do this. And he understands body position. I was just listening to a podcast. Um, it was McVeigh and um, Shanahan talking. And Shanahan was talking about evaluating quarterbacks. And he's like, I don't think Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady ever ran around. Like They always had to learn how to play in a pocket and, and do those things. And it resonated with me because you see some of these kids that play quarterback their whole lives and when they're really, you know, gifted, they can run around and make all these plays happen. Well, other guys have to learn how to be successful in other ways. And I think Drew has an innate ability of just playing this position at a high level. And, okay, when we go play in scrimmage, is he moving the team? And when you keep saying the answer is yes, that usually means a kid can go do it in a game. And, like, when Ian was battling, we kept coming back on the question, okay, well, every time he goes in there with the team, the team moves. Okay, and so how do we, you know, how do we give him a chance to be successful? And so, look, we have a very healthy quarterback room right now. We have a ton of guys that can play. You know, the other guy that never gets mentioned is Brendan, obviously, with the injury. But, like, 
if you would ask me a year ago what his ceiling was, I would have said through the roof. And so, like, we're just in a good spot, and I, and I feel very fortunate to have, you know, a bunch of guys that care about each other and care about the team and care about doing things the right way. And, you know, Drew is a huge part of that. Last one, Coach. I, I want to say, you know, let's fast forward past the season, past the postseason, and look back on this offense. How are you hoping – that you and other people define your offense? What are the characteristics? What are the traits that you hope people look back and say, the Notre Dame offense was this, not schematic, hey, they were graded outside zone, but just what is going to be the identity of this team from a just a bigger picture standpoint that's going to lead to you know, a, a successful season? Yeah, I think the first word that comes to mind is aggressive. And that's, that's really what I want to be able to hang our hat on. Look, and, and to back that up, I value efficiency, right? That's something that I value in, in offensive football and I value in the game. It's like how efficient can we be to string good plays after another, okay? But for me to take a step back, it's how can we be aggressive yet efficient at the same time? And really the thing I keep coming back to is it's on me to make sure that the quarterbacks understand the balance there. Because if I can call it in a way that's aggressive, but they can make the right decision, then we can still be efficient yet aggressive. And so, look, we, we all know what's out there. We all know, you know, what the narrative is and, and what people say and where we need to improve and where we need to continue to be good. But at the end of the day, our duty is to win football games and our duty is to put our, our team in position to win football games and to play offensive football at a level that allows us to win games. So we're never going to do things just because we're worried about the noise, but I do think that um, with conversations I've had with other coaches, with just some of you know the stuff I've read or, or, or some of the things that I've been able to take a step back from and really study my own my own habits and where we're at um, as an offensive staff, like the area where I want to improve and continue to strive to be is aggressive. And how can we always coach to to not to lose the game, but to go win the game? And that's something that when we look back after this year, if I can say, hey, I did that, and I'll feel pretty good about where we're at. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk some ball with us. Uh, uh, go enjoy the rest of your vacation. <laughs> you know, try to relax a little bit and, yeah. uh, and, and get ready for what's going to be a fun year. So thanks so much, Coach, for, for joining us and sharing some of your wisdom with Notre Dame fans. I appreciate it, man. Take care. That'll be it for the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Make sure you check back with us later. Uh, we will have more shows this week and obviously tons of content at irishbreakdown.com. Talk to you all again very, very soon.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.